Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Customer Experience Radio. Brought to you by Heineken Company, real estate advisors specialized in corporate relocation. Now, here's your host, Jill Heineck. Welcome to this very special edition of Customer Experience Radio. I'm your host, Jill Heineck. I'm a business owner, real estate advisor, and customer experience enthusiast. Today, we are bringing you a compilation of recent shows that highlight the importance of taking care of your team so that they can positively impact your customer's experience with your company and ultimately your business. First up, we have Mike Wittenstein, keynote speaker and CX expert, and his client, Alan Jones, CEO of Hi-Fi Buys, an audiovisual store in Buckhead, discuss customer experience versus customer service and what that means to Alan's business. What I found really refreshing is that Alan doesn't have a customer service department. He just handles it. <laughs> but I, I've, I've never, I've, you know, money has never been my interest uh, in life and, uh, and won't be in the future. It's a, it's a necessary thing in, in life, but it's not my focus. Um, you know, our focus is really on the relationships. And I know that at the end of our lives, the only thing we really care about is relationships. Absolutely. And so when we're talking about customer experience, let's jump back real quick to what we touched on earlier with uh, customer service. And so being in the products industry, you know, where, where is that line for you, you know, um, between customer experience and customer service? And maybe in some companies there may be, you know, customer no service <laughs> or um, we don't want to call that service, customer service ever. It just depends on the company. So where do you draw that line in your company? We, um, you know, we... we <laughs> We don't really have a customer service department. Um, I think, you know, our, our, our mantra basically is we will do what is reasonable. Um, and that means that if anything comes up that is reasonable to do, we'll do it. And so are our manufacturers because it is a requirement of ours of anything that we any product that we carry, any manufacturer that we work with for them to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up finding that. Uh, we don't have a lot of issues and we don't have a lot of problems. And a lot of that is done through um, what I'd call very good vision with manufacturers and products and things along that lines to say we never have a problem is, you know, ridiculous. Um, of course we do. But that's uh, huge because I also think you're talking about your customer experience with your vendors, mm-hmm. right? So they're bringing, just as important. They're just bringing that to you. So. Yeah, I, would, I would call that above and below the line mm-hmm. to the customer's. There's no difference between experience and service at Hi-Fi Buys above the line. Below the line, Alan takes care of it. The mm. team takes care of it. You don't see any of that. It's like a duck in the water. They look really calm on top, and they're paddling <laughs> really hard under the water. That's a great vision right there. Wow. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Is that what you're doing underwater? <laughs> under the table? feet under the table over here. <laughs> oh, my. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you both coming in today. Um, I didn't know if there was any last things, Mike or Alan, that you'd like to add that I feel like, or Lee, do you have yeah, any Yeah, well, questions? I'd like, um, um, Mike, I'd like you to add some pieces of advice for a company out there. Maybe they are new and then they want to launch and they want to do this right, or they're maybe struggling or have plateaued and they want to uh, up their game. Okay. Um, the The... The best advice is the oldest advice, which is to get out there and see what your customer sees. You've got to walk the store. 
Walk around in the warehouse, talk to the employees that your customer sees, call into the call center, buy something online, see if you can return it in the store, if it's retail. If it's a hospital, you can't check yourself in, but you can still check the hospital out. Mm -hmm. So see the world from your customer's perspective and keep your mind open. You've got to be listening all the time for customers' unmet needs. Because that's where you can use experience to define something new in the marketplace that draws attention and draws new business. The next thing is you can't be afraid to experiment. When you're doing experience by design, you're the one driving the stake in the ground and saying, we're going to try this and see how people respond. So don't be afraid to kill an experiment or to, an ex- or to expand one. So the bottom line is listen. And the other part of it is do something. Take action. Yeah. If you're not doing anything, nothing works. And like Alan's store, I mean, they're already on the third version, if you will, of their brand new store and bucket. It's only three years old, but it's an evolution. It's not a thing. It's not Mm -hmm. a decision. And it's fluid, right? It's always going to be evolving. Mm -hmm. Because customers' needs are evolving. Competitors change how they work. And most brands, this is what's so hard in business these days. You go to one store or one business and you love the way they do something, you expect every other brand that serves you to do it as well. The baseline for everyone's constantly going up. So. Yeah, and you think about how fast the world is evolving. And (laughs) if you don't evolve with it, you're... You're out. Yeah. Dead Mm -hmm. in the water. Quickly. Absolutely. Next up, we have my friends Jim Knight, keynote speaker and author of Culture That Rocks, and Kathleen Wood of Kathleen Wood Partners and Susie Swirl talk about the four main tenants customers really care about and the emotional experience and connection that keeps customers coming back, creating Herculean results. Oh, and you don't want to miss Kathleen's Southwest Airlines and toilet paper story. So happy to be here today with two of my good friends, uh, Jim Knight and Kathleen Wood. We met in 2009-ish at a conference for food um, food industry HR specialists yep. um, in Dallas called People Report. And um, I, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Oh, my thank pleasure. you. <laughs> I'm going to give our listeners a little background. Um, Jim spent 21 years with Hard Rock International as the head of training for the brand School of Hard Rocks, which oversaw all learning initiatives for the global cafes, hotels, and casinos. And um, in 2012, he officially retired from corporate life and is now a keynote speaker delivering over 100 engagements a year and a best-selling author with his book, Culture That Rocks, which, by the way, is like the Bible. People Yay. need to be reading this book. It's Absolutely. amazing. And then Kathleen is the founder of Kathleen Wood Partners, uh, an innovative growth strategy firm specializing in transforma- transforming visions into reality through strategy, brand optimization, and leadership development. And her scope spans from hospitality healthcare, service, manufacturing, and retail clients. Um, she is a nationally recognized growth strategist, motivational speaker and author, and a proven leader in business and nonprofits. And thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't, I'm so honored that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. So um, let's open with a little discussion around um, customer experience and what that means to you from where you sit. Yeah. So we can start with you, Kathleen. You know, I think the uh, customer experience, in my mind, in this very dynamic and competitive marketplace we're in today, is truly the currency of separating yourself from the sea of sameness. Mm-hmm. Um, there, in my mind, there's nothing more important than the customer experience. And that's from the time that we start to attract the customer all the way to the time we try to retain them and keep them as a loyal customer to us. And I think that's one of the things where people have thought for such a long time about customer service being that 
transactional experience. And now really, you know, when I think about strategy, it's about that entire experience and making it your competitive differential. Exactly. How about you, Jim? You know, I look at it as the uh, the product of the balance between trying to be transactional, which a lot of companies probably do, and being emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the ones that get to that far end on the emotional side where there's an emotional connection where people are going to come back, they're going to spend more money, they're going to talk about you favorably is what you look for. Um, and I, you know, probably a lot of people might be confused about the customer experience versus service. Uh, I've always looked at it as the totality of whatever happens between that customer and the organization. So case in point, any statistic that I've ever seen, all customers really care about are these big main four tenants. It's the products, the atmosphere, it's the service, which is what a lot of people might focus on today. Mm-hmm. And ultimately the value proposition, the price per for value. I look at all of those and say, you've got to hit all of those, the product and the atmosphere. Those are price of admission type stuff where you're going to crush it is in the customer service, which is why people focus on it. But honestly, it's the totality. You've got to really rock people's worlds when it comes to the overall experience. When you can do that right, you're going to produce Herculean results. People are going to come back. They're going to spend more money. They're going to talk about you favorably. In your opinion, um, what are a couple of brands that you think do it well in terms of client ex- or customer experience? You know, one, because I'm just, I have to be, you know, I'm a, I love them. I think mm-hmm. they're the greatest. I'm a big fan is Southwest Airlines. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Southwest Airlines, in my mind, one day I was on a flight, which was delayed. And you know how people get when the flight's delayed. And everybody, <laughs> yes. everyone's so jovial. It just makes my day filled with joy, personally. But the two, the Southwest <laughs> flight attendants did the craziest thing. They gave each row of the, at the beginning of the plane, because the plane's about it in half, right? So each half of the plane got a roll of toilet paper to start at the front. And everyone was told that the side of the plane that could unroll the toilet paper without it breaking, you know, everyone would get a free drink on the plane. (laughs) And I thought, this is darn genius. You have just taken something that is horrific. Mm -hmm. We've been out here for a pretty long time. And you've got everyone engaged in cheering for unrolling a a roll of toilet paper. That's amazing. I mean, that's really, to me, I, I'll never forget that. I took pictures of that, put it on Facebook because I'm like, who has ever seen this happen in an airline before? Not me. And I think if they were only doing that and they were sort of being the fun kids, it'd be one thing. But they're so awesome in like the basic product. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you do, uh, of course, are the low cost airfare, but their onboarding process is ridiculously efficient and so good. And I'm surprised. We talk about this all the time, Kathleen and I do. Why haven't other airlines sort of adopted that? Mm-hmm. Still best on time, best departure, zero bag fees, zero to change any fees. Mm -hmm. And they're the most profitable airline, the US like, hello, like all those touch points you talk about. There's a reason why people are doing it. It's not just because it's cheapy cheap. It's all of those things we just mentioned. And then you throw on the fun stuff with toilet paper roll contests. Get out of the way. Like, <laughs> who wouldn't want to do that? I love right. that. As a traveler, it's refreshing. It right. totally is. I mean, you know, the other day I was flying and all of a sudden I heard my name announced. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? Did I leave my laptop at security or something? And they're like, Kathleen, come over here. And I go up to Southwest ca- uh, counter and they go, guess what? You're our random act of love today. And you get to pick three things from this list of prizes. I'm like, that is fantastic. Cool. And I was like, thank God I have my laptop too. But I mean, what were they? It was I could either get free Wi-Fi, a free drink, or I could get extra snacks on the plane. <laughs> I love it. And Who doesn't love, love that? Who doesn't love that? That's fantastic. And how do you feel like Susie Swirl differentiates from other frozen dessert places? Well, you know, it's so interesting. And, and Jim, thanks so much for that shameless plug. I always mm-hmm. appreciate that so much. Uh, but. 
you know, so we made a very conscious decision when we started Suzy Swirl that, you know, we did not want to be a generic froyo place. That was not what we wanted to be. We did not want to swim in that lane and we did not want to be thrown into that lane. So we made the conscious decision that we were going to compete on two tenants, great product, great service. And, you know, and even though at times people go, well, you're still self-service. Why do you have all these people here providing service? Because we're trying to blend, you know, Mm -hmm. still the person's ability to have that individual customization. But we want to provide service that supports it so that they have a great experience. So we have a very rigorous training program where we're teaching young people. This is their first job. Mm -hmm. And we have a philosophy of make your first job your right job. So we really want to teach them the philosophy of what a customer experience looks like from Mm -hmm. the time that customer comes into the door while they're picking their their flavors, their toppings, to why they're still there in our building and how to engage with them and interact with them. And then obviously when they leave. Mm-hmm. And we have found that that has made us, you know, if you think about it, how can you sell? Two, two or three weeks ago, it was minus 50 in Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Which is an <laughs> amazingly stunning thing. We were closed that day for personal safety. But the next day, you know, people get cabin fever and we were busy. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, why would people come in to get frozen deliciousness, you know, when it's still good minus 20. Mm -hmm. And part of it is because they're getting this great experience and it becomes their place, not just our place, but Mm -hmm. it becomes their place. And when that happens, that's really where the mat, that's how you can sell frozen product in the middle of the frozen tundra. In this last clip, Horst Schulze, co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotels, points out how the vision of the leader should ask the question, is this good for all that is involved? He shares how the value of empowering the employees raised the value of the guest experience, which significantly impacted Ritz-Carlton's rise to the new global standard of excellence, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. So tell me uh, what you're seeing now as if when you're consulting with companies that are um, expanding their talent pool to the millennial or the younger set and, and where their hard work and creativity is coming into the workplace. How How are your... How are your clients and or managers of the hotels really engaging with this set? Yeah, well, uh, there, there is a transition happening. That's very clear. What the man, again, and, and what I just explained about the whole orientation, the hiring and the inviting, that it has, it's more important than ever because the millennial says, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Why should I do that? You see, we thought that too, but we were afraid to say it. That was a key element. Mm-hmm. We thought, what's in it for me? Why would I do that? The millennial has no problem asking it, saying it. So we have to, from the very beginning, you have to create that environment. Here's why. I mean, by the way, Adam Smith, 300 years ago, I mean, this is, I find this thing fascinating. When he wrote Wealth of Nation, he wrote another book, which he was more proud than Wealth of Nation. He said at the time already, people cannot relate to orders and direction. <laughs> People can only relate, relate to objective and motive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aristotle wrote that, having purpose in life. Mm-hmm. But the millennial says, I want to have a purpose if it is worthwhile for me. Mm-hmm. So you show them the purpose and show them the connection to your motive of that purpose. And you have to keep on doing that very clearly. And you have to make it very clear uh, to them even. They like to hear that. I'm, I'm not hiring to work here. Mm-hmm. I have some higher purpose. Mm-hmm. That is, and show it to them very clearly, paint it, make it very clear. That vision. Now, as a leader, when you develop that vision, you have to ask yourself: 
agonize, <laughs> question, really question yourself, is this vision good for all concerned? Is it good for my investors? Of course. Without investors, I won't have a business. Mm -hmm. Is it good for my customers? It must be, otherwise you won't be in business. Is it good for every employee? It must be, otherwise you won't be in business. In addition to, is it good for society? Once the question is an unequivocal yes, you now can share it with everybody. And now you share it with the millennials. Because they like that. Mm -hmm. They like that. They want, they want to see that you're not just there to drive business, money for the investor. Right. But your, your, your heart and your whole objective is encompassing all concerned. Mm -hmm. And it's essential to show them that. They buy into those things. They do, and they they're they're buying into also, you know, what good you, the company is doing in the world, yeah, and as well as knowing that they're part of something bigger yeah. than themselves. Well, as I said, it yeah. has to, you, you, even your vision has to be good for society. They want to, you have to show them that, right? And and after it has to be defined. Has to be, it, it isn't just say, here's a point. No, what does this point do? Uh, what does it do in the future for all concerned? And you show them that, and they buy in. They buy in, and all of a sudden they realize they're not just working for somebody to make more money. Right. There's much more to it, and there's much more beauty to it. And, and, and all of a sudden, work becomes, work is something absolutely fabulous. What do you want to do instead of going to work? What, what do right. you want to do? How, how many days can you play golf or whatever the heck you're doing? Right. Or, or watch TV. No, don't, don't watch TV and see others produce and think, go yourself and produce excellent. This is um, this is how you're empowering the team. That's this right. is how companies empower. And um, I wanted to speak to wanted you to talk a little bit about how you empowered your team early <laughs> on. Yeah. And we talk, we can talk about um, a woman named Mary. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> the, the empowering piece remind me of the rest. <laughs> the empowering piece is was very important to me because and let's face it, we have two passwords in business. There's still only passwords to the greatest extent. One is alignment. Mm -hmm. and, and you align people when you, when you orient, show them where you're going to go on, show them who a customer think, show them who you are. You align them truly to your soul, to your heart, to your function, to everything. You let them know everything. If you don't do that, if you just tell them you're a team here and turn them over to somebody else here, not aligning. Right. Alignment isn't every employee know. If, I go, if you go into any or tells them, ask any employee, what's the vision of this company? They will tell you. They know it. It's not written in the, daily, in the annual report. So we asked people to join us, to be ladies and gentlemen, to work with us. And here's who we are. And, and then, of course, we found that some customers, no matter, I guess, no matter what, are unhappy. <laughs> so we taught problem and solution. Mm -hmm. And the interesting is there are three types of customers. The unhappy one that becomes a, a terrorist against your organization. The satisfied one who goes next door if they have a better deal. And the loyal one. So I want loyal customers mm -hmm. and I want employees to help with that. So, so I, but I knew if, we, if a problem happens and the expectations are very high in the risk garden, so the smallest thing they will complain about, if that complaint is handled well, I can move them from dissatisfaction to loyal right away. Mm -hmm. So so who do they complain to? Not to me, to the employee. So I had to empower the employee 
to move heaven and earth to keep the customer. So I came out with, <laughs> with the direction that every employee is empowered to make a decision up to $2,000 to make the guest, guest happy mm -hmm. if something negative happened. Well, that created a nuclear explosion. <laughs> I mean, to, you want every employee to give $2,000. <laughs> It's no, discretionary. No, no. It's discretionary. Totally, totally. But you, they can make a decision. I will not question them. Mm -hmm. no, no, nobody ever gave $2,000. A guest may have come down and said, you know, I, I didn't like my room. And the waiter said, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to complain. We teach that. In fact, I feel so bad. I will buy your breakfast. Now, the guest will be shocked. And totally moved from anger to total loyalty. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted because I knew statistically my, the customer in front of you may be worth $200,000 lifetime. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to spend something to keep that customer. For us, number one in the company, keep the customer. And that was a reaction to that. So the customer is always right? No. No. <laughs> But the customer is the focal point and yeah, the experience I, of the customer. I, I, I absolutely focus on the customer. The customer has the customer is a, a one employee at the beginning when I when I introduced here, we are ladies and gentlemen, servant ladies and gentlemen. In fact the doorman turned out to be a great guy, to said, Well, Mr. Schultz, not everybody guest behaves like ladies and gentlemen. I said True. That's not our judgment <laughs> to make. We respect right. everybody's ladies and gentlemen. Now, now some of them will, and, and I had situation where some of them be, in fact, ev be evicted customers. They were just impossible. And that is a very, very, very small percentage. We, in fact, know that, uh, that uh, 69, uh, 69%, no, 96%, for, excuse me, 96% of all complaints, all the guests wants that somebody recognizes and says, I'm sorry. And they're just frustrated. Mm -hmm. They want to get rid of it. And as soon as somebody says, I'm sorry, please forgive me, they're kind of shocked and nearly embarrassed that they even said it. So, and that three plus percent, and that's always, over, over, uh, nearly close to, to 97 percent, but there's three percent plus that have a legitimate gripe where remedies should be met. Mm -hmm. And then there's a very fraction of a percentage points that we call is the jerk factor. <laughs> Do you have a, um, a tip or advice for our listeners on, you know, what could they do today to start really focusing on that experience with the customer? Um, something specific that you can take back? that they could take back to their offices today. Yes. It, it is, it's the simple thing that I touch on. It's this customer focus. You have to understand, understand something here. The customer makes a decision about you. That sounds crazy, but they do. And you make you, listeners, you in front of me, everybody, myself, we cannot help it. We make a decision about an organization the moment when we make contact with them. And we make a decision about a human being when we come within nine feet of them. So why not make that moment a moment of excellence? Because subconsciously, you put the customer in front of you within nine feet into a positive mode or a negative one. 
So that's why we taunt. Whatever you're doing, if a guest comes within 10 feet about, you look up and you give a great greeting and concentrate for that moment on the customer and create that positive feeling. We, had, we have analyzed when the first contact was excellent, never ever a complaint followed. <laughs> it's interesting. When the first contact was negative, always did a complaint follow about slow service or about something. So, and the behavioral analyst will tell you that. And it doesn't matter what society tells you, all kind of garbage. You know, it looks skin deep and all that. Oh, sure. But the fact is you're a human being. You cannot help it. You make right. subconscious decisions. So why not take advantage of that? Right. And be exceptionally nice. The first moment, welcome. Not, hey. <laughs> if I say hi, I'm saying you're the same than I am. Mm. If I said good morning, sir, I'm saying I respect you and I am very professional. So those are the best tip I can create Put the right frame of mind into that customer and don't focus on what they want. Don't, fo don't look somewhere else and, think, and give the impression that you don't care. Pay attention and pay attention. Listen. If you say too many things, you're obnoxious. <laughs> if you don't say enough, you're rude. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> be careful. Don't be, but don't be too elegant. Mm -hmm. Elegance without warmth is arrogance. Right. Those are the little things that you have to understand and teach yourself. And after, every, after every customer transaction, that's what I did as a waiter. After, every time after I took an, an order from the a table order for the food or whatever, the moment when I actually communicated with the customer, I, I walked away and said, how could I have done that better? Did I say too much? Did I say too little? After every customer transaction, say, how could I have done that better? Could I have convinced them a little bit more to want to be here and deal with me? Teach yourself. Make a decision to be excellent. I love that. Thank you for listening. I am proud to share the show with you as these stories prioritize the customer experience as a legit business strategy, reminding us that no matter the business you are in, food service, hospitality, or real estate, the customer experience should always be the heart of the business. Here at Customer Experience Radio, the health and safety of our production team and guests are of the utmost importance. We wish you good health as we navigate this new world. Please enjoy. Thank you so much. 